0: be satisfied everything else will be confused. Come on. Our mind will be confused. I'm not too sure about this. It doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. But if we go by what our spirit does it's saying, yeah, yeah, come on. This is what God is saying about by faith. You have a look at, at, the, at Hebrews I think it's chapter 11 there. By faith these these amazing men and women of God by faith they did this. By faith they did that. It tells us in the Bible that only faith pleases God. So why do we try and use everything else and do it every other way except by faith? Goshen means a place to draw near. You understand, God wants us to draw near to him. Goshen is a place that God wants Hey, I want you to draw near to me. I don't want you to be distant. I don't want you to be far away. I don't want you just to know about me. I want you to know of me. I want you to have that intimacy with me. And we can't do that on a far away basis. It's got to be close. It's got to be near. There's got to be intimacy. There's got to be that touching. There's got to be that closeness. Dwell. God says, when you dwell with me, Dwell in his secret place. He wants us to draw near. Live in a place of dwelling in his presence. Listen, when you dwell in his presence, everything that comes against you in this world will fail and and go into insignificance because of the presence of God in our life. We're not going to be silly and forget about everything, but sometimes what happens is that we put things up above God. situations that we're in. God, this is too big for you. I'm sorry. No, no, no. God says, I am bigger than anything. There is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. Every knee shall bow to the Christ in me. Come on. Jesus is above every single name. Every name that you can think of, every sickness that you can think of, Jesus is above that. So when we put everything above Him, all of a sudden things aren't right. God is putting a balance, He's bringing a balance back into our life. We've got to have balance, church. Egypt, on the other hand, means trouble, means oppression hard labor bondage so when we when we stay in Egypt that's what happens and sometimes we think well that's just the way it is that's just the way the world is and and unfortunately we are wrapped up in all that sort of stuff listen we are in the world but we are not of the world there's a big difference if you want to be of the world and get everything that they're going through you're going to go through But if you are in the world but not of the world that means we're not of this world but we're of the spirit of god world all of a sudden now it's a different story we are living in a completely different place and this is a spiritual place i'm not saying that we have to ask god well, God, where is the promised land where's my gosh i'm going to move there If you want to know, it's pretty close to (laughs) Carindale. If you want a physical place. But it's not about a physical place. It's about a spiritual place. It's about your mind being renewed. It's about your trust in God. It's about your faith being increased in God. That's the place of living. We can be in this world and we're called to be in this world. We're not called to be separate. We're not called to come away from, well, we don't want to go there. We don't want to go. We don't want to associate with these ones. It's not about that. It's about leading a called life. It's about leading a sanctified life. It's about living a life according to the Word of God. And listen, we are called to impact this world. We know that only about 5% be called to minister behind the pulpit, the other 95% are called. Come on, call to go and impact this world. God has given you an anointing to impact the marketplace. Wherever God has called you to be, then he's equipped you to impact. In Genesis chapter 13 verse 12, it says that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. He could have pitched it any other place. But what did he do? He thought, no, it's more exciting in the world. It's more exciting looking out of his tent, looking towards. See, what are you looking towards? What are you watching? What, what has got the attention of your eyes? See, Sodom had the attention of what? Uh, he could have pitched his tent towards the mountains, towards the bush, towards the, whatever it was. But he thought, no, this is more exciting than God's creation. And sooner or later it says that Lot was living in Sodom. See, what you pitch your tent towards, you'll soon be living in. And God had to send angels to get him and his family out of that place before he destroyed that. So it's not it's not about wanting to live in the world. It's wanting to live a godly life. That we are in the world, but we will affect the world. The world will not affect us. Come on. A bit further on in Exodus chapter 5, verses 6 to 9. We see as God hears your cries, he then responds. And listen, we don't know how long that will be. For these guys, it was 400 years. I- I'm praying that it's not going to be 400 years for us. You know, I, I really like God to respond a little bit quicker than that. Exodus 5, verse 6 to 9. And it says here that the same day Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks let them go and gather their own straw but require them to make the same amount of bricks as before don't reduce the quota they are lazy and that's why they're crying out let us go and sacrifice to our god make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to the lies. what happens sometimes when we cry out to god and it seems like we get an answer and what happens? It actually gets harder for us. Anyone notice that? It's like, oh, I'm praying for this, I'm praying for that. All of a sudden it gets hard. It's like, come oh, on, I shouldn't have prayed. <laughs> or it's like we're praying for something and get a prophetic word that, that confirms everything. It's like, oh, yeah. And then the next day or the next week something happens. We've got, it gets harder. It's like, oh, man, I, I wish I didn't get that word. Because it's made it harder for us or it's more difficult for us. But I believe these things are sent to test us. God is testing you. Come on. He's testing you. He knows what's inside. He's saying, listen, this is still what I've got for you. If you will follow me, if you will continue to do what I've called you to do, then these things, listen, God is not a man that should lie. God's promises are always yes and amen. He will always come through with his word. So we've got to understand, okay, God, it doesn't seem like this is working right now, but I know this is what you've said. I'm going to keep on going. And sometimes all that Julie and I have had was the word of God. Whether that audible voice, a prophetic word, or even just the written word of God, sometimes that's all you need to get you through. Because everything else seems to be completely the opposite. Or coming against you in such a way is to try and get you to not take the word, but to believe a lie. It's easier to believe a lie than it is to hear the truth. So God is testing us. Then further, a little bit further on in Exodus chapter 7 verse 3. Even though it gets harder. It says, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart. All of a sudden, it's going to make it even harder. But listen, he says this. I will multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. I will multiply, even though I will harden Pharaoh's heart, even though I will, it seems like everything seems to get a lot harder than it was before you prayed, before you cried out to God, before you fasted. Come on. who you knows? sometimes it's like, God, I fasted, I prayed, I cried out, I warfed, in, I did everything possible, and it seems like it's still getting worse. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. But he said, I will multiply my signs and my wonders. Both of those words mean miracles. I will multiply my miracles. So listen, God's saying, I'm not going to leave you destitute. I'm not going to leave you just on your own devices. God says, I've got miracles for you. Even though it's getting tough, even though it's getting harder, I've got miracles here for you. And what does it take? to receive a miracle, listen, most of us just by faith. It's when we come to the end of ourselves, when we come to like there is no possible way this can happen. Then God says, yeah, that's right. But we all, come on, we're seeing this. All things are possible for those who believe. All things are possible. That means it's miraculous. It's the miraculous time. Our God is a God of miracles. He's still the same God. That delivered his people out of bondage. He's still the same God. He still hears you. He's still concerned for you. And he's multiplying his miracles. So if you're here believing God for a miracle, then this is a fantastic time to believe for miracles. Then, Exodus chapter 8, verses 21 to 23, he says, If you do not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you and your officials, on your people, and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians will be full of flies. Even the ground will be covered with them. Verse 22. But on that day, it will be very different in the land of Goshen. In the land of Goshen, where God's people live. I tell you what, it'll be very different when you come to that place of living in that land that God has, in that place that God has, in that expectation that God has, in that faith place that God has for you. It'll be very different on that day. Because it says, where are my people? live, no swarms of flies will be there. So that you will know that I the Lord am in this land. I the Lord am in this land. In that place. Listen, we've got to let, we've got to let the world go. We've got to let that that soulish connection to the world go. When God is your source, where he is your Jehovah Jireh, where he is everything. There are no ties to anything else except Him. He is cutting off all those ties. He's wanting you to be totally dependent on Him. He is a jealous God. I found that out. He wants your attention. He doesn't want you to give your attention to any other God. Any other thing that you put up above Him, that's a God. Whoa, I'm getting some roars coming through that ceiling. <laughs> the, the walls going on here. But you see, we're living in a day where God is making clear distinction, A clear distinction. As it was back in Goshen and Egypt, there was a clean distinction, a clear line where there was flies and there was no flies. Come on. If you're on the border, you could... Open your window and see, oh, four or five, but not one getting into your house. Isn't that cool? If if you're in a Come on, if you're in the place where God wanted you to be, then you will come under that sovereign protection, umbrella protection, that place where you can come and say, Lord, I give you my life. As for me and my family, Lord, we're serving you. God, whoever you want, Lord, you're looking for someone, pick me. Choose me. I will make, in verse 23, I will make a clear distinction between my people and your people. This miraculous sign will occur tomorrow. Now, I'm hoping it will be tomorrow. That a miraculous sign will come and will show you Where you are, whether you're in the land of Goshen or whether you're in the land of Egypt, I pray that there will be a distinction. Listen, There are are distinctions that we can, you know, there's some people you just know. It's like, oh man, this this is so annoying. You just want to hang around with them. There's a distinction. How do you know that? Because there's something about them that attracts you. There's something about them that you want to be around. There's something about them that you want. There's a clear distinction. The world even know that. They come up to you and they start crying out on your shoulder and telling you all this stuff. And they said, "I don't know why I'm doing this. I've never told anyone that my deep, my deepest, darkest secrets." But, but it just came out. Who are you? <laughs> See, the world knows that there's something in you. That there's someone in you that you have got an answer to their deep, deepest, darkest problems. You are the antidote to what they're going through. There is, a, there is a clear distinction. That word distinction here also means redemption. You're a people of redemption, redeemed, deliverance. It means a payment of something pledged. If God has pledged you a word, if he has given you a promise, God says, I will pay. I am a God who keeps my pledges. Down in verse 9. Sorry, chapter 9, verse 1 to 7 says, so Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say, to This is what the Lord God of the Hebrews says. Let my people go that they may worship me. And if you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them back, the hand of the Lord will bring a terrible plague on your livestock in the field and on your horses and donkeys and camels and your cattle and sheep and goats. Verse 4. But the Lord will again make a distinction between the livestock of the Israelites and that of the Egyptians, so that no animal belonging to the Israelites will die. It's not just upon you. It's upon your pets. It's upon your livestock. It's upon your business. Come on. It's upon what you're, how you're making your money. That it's upon those things. It's not just upon you now. It's it's on everything you own. Verse six and verse five it says the Lord appointed a set time. I believe that God is saying it's a set time today. It's a set time for you to hear this word. It's a set time in God's. Timetable that he says, this is your time. This is your place. This is where you need to hear and start to find out where you're living. You can't live straddled. Land one foot in, in Egypt, one foot in Goshen. Well, I like I like that. I, but yeah, I, you know, I like to have fun for now, I want to go to heaven. Listen, you can't be in the middle of the road. You can't be wishy-washy at this time. You have to be one who's sold out. You have to know who your God is. You have to know where you're going. You have to know that God is your Jehovah God. He is the one that's leading and guiding you. You can't have foot in both camps. God is making sure today. And the next day, the Lord did it. The next day the lord did it come on some of us were waiting for the next day <laughs> well god you said you said you do it when is that next day it's going to be soon you know the same soon that jesus said you will be coming back soon <laughs> The next day, 2,000 years later, God, please don't let it be another day. But we understand we're in a different timetable right now. We're in the last days. God is doing a quick work. There is a momentum shifting back. Come on, to God's people. And those ones who will allow God to do a quick work in, God says, I will do a quick work with you. And I will make sure, you thought you were behind, God says, I'll make sure that you are going to be yeah. Come on. And it doesn't matter. You think, oh, God, I'm so far behind. It's going to take me 10 years to catch up. I tell you what, that's nothing to God. And he can quicken things up. And all of a sudden, it's like you were behind, now you're in front. You're underneath, now you're on top. Come on, you're the tail, now you're the head. Lord did it. I love that. And all the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one animal belonging to the Israelites died. Not one animal. Not one animal. Not one animal even was sick, looked like dying. Come on. A clear distinction is a clear distinction. It's like black and white, it's like truth and lie. It's simple to know the difference. Well, that must be an an, an Israelite cow. Healthy, standing upright. (laughs) That must be an Egyptian cow. (laughs) Fertilizing the ground. (laughs) Pharaoh investigated. I, I investigate too. It's like, what is going on here? And he found that not even one of the animals of the Israelites had died. It's like he probably couldn't believe what he was hearing from the aides that he sent out coming back. Said, well, it's true. It's true. All of our cattle, everything we own, our livestock is all dead. you not one of them. Come on, don't give me that. He went out and found out himself. It was true. Yet in his heart, it was still unyielding. And he would not let the people go. I tell you, Even when he saw it, he still didn't believe it. Sometimes when people see the truth, they still can't believe it. God has to send them some more proof, some more evidence. How does he do that? He makes you look even better. Come on. He makes your business even stronger. He makes your family even good looking, better looking. <laughs> Down in chapter 9, verse 8 and 9. See, God will take the little that you have and you will multiply. You don't have to have much. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls, handfuls of soot from a furnace and have Moses toss it in the air in the presence of Pharaoh. And it will become fine dust all over the land of Egypt. Two, come on, two little handfuls of soot, of dust, (laughs) thrown in the presence of Pharaoh, All of a sudden, those two little handfuls cover the whole land of Egypt. How can that be possible? God says, I will multiply my miracles. I will show you signs and wonders. Come on. But you've got to do your part. You have to do your part. It wouldn't have happened unless Moses and Aaron took those two handfuls of salt into the presence of... This sounds really weird. God went... Taking the two handfuls of soot. So what do you got? Nothing. What do you got? A two handfuls of soot. And don't, I'm going to use it. Don't so you dare take another step forward. I got two handfuls of soot here. Wow. What do you think you're going to do with that? Me personally, I don't really think not much is going to happen. But I tell you what, when I do what I've been called to do, God said that these two little handfuls of soot I got to cover the whole land of Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> what a joke! It's exactly what happened. See, when you do what God has called you to do, you think you got, I haven't got much, God, but listen, he knows that. You don't have to tell him what you haven't got. He knows what is in you. He knows what is about to happen. If you just did what he asked you to do, God says, now watch and see. Now watch my part in all this. Whole land to be, and festering boils broke out on all the people and the animals. Whatever animals were left, I suppose they started to reproduce, out of them. Throughout the land. They probably could have bought some more. Probably the Israelites sold them. Making some more money. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> They're the only ones who had any. A little tiny bit of. See, God doesn't require much. He said, if you have got the faith, the size of a little mustard seed, so tiny, if you've got faith like that, you can can say the mountains disappear. You can say, mountains, get out of here. You can say, (laughs) I'm taking you down. You don't need much. God is requiring you to have everything together. Well, I've got to understand, how how is this going to work? listen, it's not going to work the way you think it's going to work anyway. Do what God has asked you to do, so that you have got a clear conscience with God. Say, Lord, I did everything you said. Then God says, now, wait and watch my amazing deliverance. Come on, watch and see what God will do. He will do what he said he will do. Next is chapter 9, verse 16. I love this chapter. It says, but I have raised Pharaoh up for this very purpose that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. What was the reason God raised Pharaoh up? Was to show him God's mighty hand. Show him the miracles. Show him the miracles. See, God is saying, I've got the same thing for you. I want you. I raise you up so that you too can see my miracles. And it's not just going to be the miracles of someone else's life. If you've got no faith, then God says, well, listen, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to move on to someone who has got faith. I, because I want to do. See, Jesus went to a place that did not believe in him. They did not believe he had the power to do anything. And what happened? Absolutely nothing. Nothing happened. This is Jesus. Come on. God needs faith. God needs faith. A people of faith. You don't have to have much just the size of a mustard seed, and God says, I can do amazing things through that. I'm raising you up for this very hour, for this very time. Why? So you can start to see the miracles that God has in your life, on your life, through your life. Listen, it's not all about you. It's about, God, I want to see someone else break free. I want to see someone else break Come into that miraculous anointing. I want to see someone else healed. I want to see someone else that. I want to see someone else's business. You can't know, come to my. I want to see these things: miracles, signs, and wonders. God says, "I'm raising you up for this very time. I'm going to show you my power." God wants to show you His power. He is powerful. Later on, in verse in chapter nine, verses twenty-five and twenty-six. It says here, throughout Egypt, hail struck everything in the fields, both people and animals. It beat down upon everything growing in the fields and stripped every tree. Verse 26. Guess what? The only place it did not hail. The only place. The only place it did not hail. That's right, you get it. Was in Goshen. The land of Goshen, where the Israelites lived, where God's people lived. There was not one hailstone. Isn't that incredible? See, that's not that's not nothing to do with luck. That's not, not nothing to do with, well, that's just the way that the, the weather systems came in. Yo, come on, give honor where honor is due. Give God the glory. In everything he's doing in your life, whether small, medium or big, yeah. give him the glory. Because he's the one. He can change where the pattern is. Come on. He can cause it to be fine today for our picnic. He knows we want to have a little fun. And then verse, uh, chapter 10, verses 21 to 23. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand towards the sky so that darkness spreads over Egypt. Darkness that can be felt. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been in some pretty dark places, but I've never actually felt darkness. I know darkness. Darkness that can be felt. We were in uh, Kentucky few years back, and they, uh, the pastors there, we had a, a day off, they took us to these, these uh, caves called Mammoth Caves, and there's, there's something like there's thousands of kilometres of these caves underneath, called Mammoth Caves, and they took us to this one part, which was really, really, you know, like deep down, and they turned the lights off, they warned us, they turned all the lights off, and they said, now I want you to put your hand in front of your face. Well, we didn't know where our face was, we didn't know where our hand was. And I mean that was pretty dark. But it was probably nothing compared to this. What we're reading about darkness, that can be felt. I mean, that's pretty dark. Actually, someone came up the other day and said, Rick, what about all the blind people living in Egypt? They would already know about darkness. Yeah, there's always some smart person that, <laughs> that just you know thinks outside the box, and it's like, well, okay, they, they, it's, and it says here, look, it says this. And Moses stretched out his hand towards them, and total darkness covered all of Egypt for three days. No one, no one, no one could see anything else or move about for three days. But all the Israelites had light in their places where they lived. <laughs> Listen, they had light. They could see everything. But for three days in Egypt, no one, no one could see anything and no one could move about. So when I tell this person about, okay, what about the blind people, they, don't, they wouldn't even know it, nah. I just go back to what the Bible says. And I said, no one moved around for three days. Not even blind people. All right? So there, you want to take it any further, you take it up with God. (laughs) I'm just going to go with the evidence. The evidence was that no one moved around for three days. But what was going on in Goshen? Woo! We're moving around. We're doing what we want to do. We got light. Total darkness. Can you imagine what that would have been on the dividing line? It would have been freaky. Like dark, like dark. See, there will be great darkness in the world. The Bible talks about. It. But where will the light be? Come on. You, be, you have been called to be the light to the world. You are not just light, but you are salt to this world. So even as the world gets darker, what happens? We get brighter. Because listen, darkness cannot stay. Whenever you go into a room, all of a sudden darkness has to flee. I love going into some of these new age places where they sell all the crystals and all that sort of stuff. And you know, the tarot cards and all that. And, and it's like you're walking in, and I'm checking out all the beautiful gemstones. I love gemstones. I'm like, oh God, look at that. Oh man, that's beautiful. Look at all Oh, that's so nice. Oh. And, and all of a sudden, someone comes bursting out through the curtains. What do you want? I I'm just enjoying. Yeah, you have a beautiful gemstone here. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna buy any? Oh, I'm just, I'm happy on that one, not Well, if you're not going to buy anything, you just please leave. Why do they want me out of the place? Why are they chasing customers out? Because you're disrupting their energy source. Come on. The light has come into the darkness and all of a sudden now they can't concentrate because it's way too bright. Get out of here. Come on, look at Moses. When he come down from the mountaintop after having that time with the Lord, he come down and listen. It says that it was fading by the time he got down uh, down from this two and a half kilometer you know, mountain. By the time he got down, he it was fading on him, but it was still so bright that people says, "Listen, we can't talk to you. Can you just put a veil? Can you put something over you because you're too bright?" What was that from? That was being in the presence of God. And it says in the New Testament now that there is no failing of light. There is no um, dispersing of that light. When we spend time in the presence of God, it's like we were there all the time. And that's what it should be like. We're there and we're in the face of people. Not, we don't have to say anything, do anything all of a sudden. It's like they start to cry. It looks like we just say, "Hi, hey, here you go, God loves you." Oh, God loves you! I oh, say, <laughs> <of God. laughs> <laughs> What is that? What, is what is it? What is it? Is it God loves you? But it's that light that you carry. It's the anointing that you carry. It's that clear distinction that God has on His people in this world, compared to the ones who are in the world and of the world. There is a clear distinction, and God is causing that clear distinction to be more distinct than ever. There is, I believe, a clarion call right now to say, listen, this is the way. Walk ye in it. This is the highway of holiness. There is a place now where God says, I want you now to come on board. I don't want you to be dragging your feet. I don't want you to be straddling over between Egypt and Goshen. I want you now to make a decision. I want you now to say, who is your God? It must be done. Come on, church, it must be done. If we are forcibly advancing the kingdom of God, then we have to do what God's called us to do. We have to be the people He's called us to be. And listen, there is and there will be a distinction upon your life compared to everybody else's. Even even Christians. Come on. There's going to be a distinction between different Christians. We've been been talking with people in the world and we're just saying, like, okay... During the, the, uh, uh, the interaction, during what we've been talking about, all of a sudden comes out, what do we do? And then we tell them, oh, so, so you're Christian? You don't look like Christians, you don't dress like Christians, you don't talk like Christians. But, and I think that's good, because obviously they've got some idea <laughs> of what a Christian is. And that we want to be relatable to them. It doesn't mean that we have to be like them. But when we are the way God called us to be and we don't have to worry about, well, I've got to change this and I've got to change that and I really want to be noticed. Listen, God will notice you. You will be noticed. You don't have to make yourself noticed. You are different. You are a distinction between, and I believe that this is what the Bible talks about where it says that there is a remnant. A remnant of people. A remnant within a remnant. A remnant within a church. That not all people are say, hey, God, God, here I am. I've been doing all the things you've you have asked me to do. Where's, let me in. God says, not by the hair of light <laughs> <laughs> He's, But they say, well, I hang on a sec, you obviously don't know who we are. We've been prophesying, we've been raising the dead, we've been healing the sick, we've been doing all these sorts of things. Now let us in, and God says, "No, get away from me, because you never knew me. You never had that intimacy with me. You never knew what I wanted you to do. You always did what you wanted to do. You're a lord to your own. There is a remnant within, a remnant that God is saying, I want you to be." The called out ones. I want you to be the ones who will say, Lord, here I am. And listen, give everything to him. Don't hold anything back. You will not miss one little thing that this world has to offer. When you give your life totally to him. When you offer your life as a living sacrifice. Come on. There will be so much light in you that people will be saying, "What is it about? There's something about it." People will see the difference. Exodus eleven, chapter five, verse seven. Chapter eleven, verses five to seven says, "Every firstborn son in Egypt will die." from the firstborn of the son of Pharaoh he sits on the throne to the firstborn of the female slave who was at her hand milk. and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. They didn't have a really good time, the Egyptians, at this point. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt worse than there has ever been before or ever will be again. Verse 7, but among the Israelites, among God's people, not even a dog will bark at any person or any animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. Approximately 600,000 people died that day. Only on one side. 600,000 people in Egypt died. How many in Goshen? Zero. Not even someone who was old age. 600,000 on one side and not one person on the other side. To the point where there was so much peace in Goshen, not even a dog barked at what was going on with all the crying out, the way that, can you imagine what it would have been like for the firstborn of every family to die? Because of one person's hard heart. It would have been turmoil. It would have been horrendous to listen to what was going on. I'm just reminded that the at this point, what the Lord said at the beginning of this year about the whirlwinds. God says this is a year of whirlwinds. What do we have? We've had five cyclones or something in Australia so far. So what but God says, if you see me in the cyclone, see me in the tornado, if you see me. In other words, if you concentrate on me. When everything else is in turmoil, God says, you're going to be okay. You're going to come through this. And that's what I believe what was happening here in Goshen. The turmoil that was going on in the world, in Egypt, but there was nothing going on in Goshen because they fully trusted God. They saw him, they looked at him, and they saw him what was going on in the world and i said god you are a good god god loves you he cares for you i'm not saying that he's going to send a plague and kill everybody else except you and your family or whatever i don't i'm not saying that but i am saying that there is protection where god wants you to be there's protection under his umbrella there is protection when you walk in his way when you do it his way when you when you say well god i don't understand this but this is what you've asked me to do so i'm going to do it anyway Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3 i'm going to finish with this scripture it says for the vision is yet for an appointed time. The vision is yet for an a appointed time. The dream is there. What God has spoken to you, the promise is there for an appointed time. But I want to tell you that your appointed time has come. Just as we heard this morning about that message about Goshen and Egypt, it was the appointed time for them to come out of slavery. It was the appointed time for them to come out of the bondage. It was an appointed time for them to come out of all the hard work and hard labor that they'd been laboring for, some of the, for, for, for the whole nation for 400 years. It was a long time. Sometimes you might think, God, it's been a long time. I've been laboring for a long time. I haven't seen much in the way of deliverance for a long time. To but I'm still, still believing the word, the promise the prophetic word, your written word over my life that is still guiding me, that is still in me, that is still what's driving me on. And I believe if that is the case this morning, can we stand? I believe if that's the case this morning, then God is saying that your appointed time has come. That this is your time. Where God has heard your cries. And yes, it has got a little bit harder. And for some, it's got a lot harder. But that's okay. Because it hasn't finished yet. God isn't finished in your situation. God wants to show His power in your situation. I'm reminded of the boy that was born blind the man is born blind and, and the disciples says, who sinned his mom or his dad his, has he sinned somebody has to sin for him to be born that way and god and jesus says no one has sinned for him to be born like that it blew them away it's like hang on well then you're messing with my theology here it's like, well, Something's got to something bad has to happen for him to be born that way and jesus says he was born that way so that God could get all the glory when he gets healed. Come on. You might have been born a certain way, but God says, I haven't finished yet. My power is going to be seen in your release situation. It's going to come in the time where you're going to get your healing. It's going to come, come a time when you start to walk in the deliverance. It's going to come, come, come a time you're about to see what God is doing on your life and you're about to get the breakthrough. and people are going to say wow yeah. you were right God is in control and you didn't give up you didn't backslide, you didn't chuckle wobble, well, you didn't throw the dummy you didn't do it, but you say God, I don't understand a lot of things but i got to keep on going here like the disciples said there is nothing else Nothing else makes sense in this world. You're the only one who makes sense, God. I don't fully understand, but I know I've got to put my trust in you. The vision is yet from the point in time. But at the end, it will speak. It's not making much sense at the moment. But God says at the end, it will speak to you. It will show you. Why you had to go through those things. And listen, most of it's for us anyway, for our benefit. We come out a better person. We come out closer to God. Listen, Listen, these are the things, sometimes it drives people further away from God. I'm thinking, why? And during these times, we need to drive closer to God. We need Him more now than we have at any other point in our life. It shall speak and it will not lie. Though it tarry, though it tarry, though it tarry, wait, wait, wait for it. Don't give up. I tell you, we have seen so many people just before the breakthrough. It's like we can sense, it's like, oh, oh man, they're just before the breakthrough. And they feel like, I can't do this anymore. They give up. And it's like, why now? Why? Keep pushing. Persevering. Have faith in God. Because it will surely come. It will surely come. I believe it today. As this word goes into your heart, goes into your spirit, bypasses your head, your brain. Some of you are way too brainy. Come on. You trust more in your brain than you do in your spirit. God says I want to do a bypass this morning I'm bypassing your brain and I'm speaking to your spirit this morning and if your spirit gets stirred if your spirit's saying yeah that's what I needed to hear this morning that's what I needed to keep me going that's what I needed to push me into this place, that's what I needed to build the momentum in my life that's what I'm going to receive today and I'm going to continue I'm going to continue from this day because I believe this is my appointed time. this is my appointed day this I needed this message I needed to hear God I can live in a place called Goshen I can live in a, in a spiritual place where you have so much protection over me where there is such a clear distinction between those who love you and those who don't